unveiling the impact of absentee fathers in our adult children's lives. Are you an adult that still carries the trauma of not having a father's presence in your life? Are you a father that regrets the decision of not being there for your children? Are you a father that just wants to understand how to be a father to your children when maybe you don't understand how? These and so many other questions will be answered in this several week journey of interviews that I simply call Candid Conversations through the eyes of fathers that have gotten it wrong in some areas and right in others. But ultimately, it was their relationship with God that helped them get it right. So without further anticipation, let's jump right in. To another episode of Trueness of the Words. I'm your host, Eleanor Fleming, and our guest today is Mr. Keith Hughley. Our topic today will be on unveiling the impact of absentee fathers in our adult children's lives. Hello, Keith. How are you today? Good, good. Good morning, Eleanor. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate that. It's it's my pleasure. I awesome. certainly appreciate the opportunity to, to come on the show, to come on the podcast, and thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Well, I do want to say this, and that is, although we're talking about absentee fathers, this isn't about bashing fathers. This is about healing because God is in the business of healing. That's not just a statement. He genuinely is about healing us. And it's about giving a knowledge and an awareness to men as well as women, because there's a role that we play in men being absent sometimes from their children's lives. So I just want to make sure we state that up front, because that was something that you were very passionate about. And I appreciate that because you did not want men to feel like they were being um uh, bashed or broadbeaten, as I said, or torn down because that's not our purpose. So I want to make sure I state that. And do you have anything you want to say about that before I go any further? Yeah, that's very important. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you started with that statement. Uh, so because it's so it's so important for us to foster safe places, safe environments uh, as men. Uh, that's really our calling. Uh, that's what we're designed for. And I think, you know, we all have to um, be clear that uh, we have that understanding. It's it's what God has called us to as men uh, to not only just do good, uh, but to foster good in, uh, in, in, in our homes and the environments in which we are a part. And so I, I'm glad that you stated that up front because it's uh, it's very important. And uh, it's something that uh, we as a community have to really embrace. And when I say as a community, I'm talking about first the family and then the broader community. We, we, we know the, the, the adage, it, it takes a village to raise a child, yes. uh, but it actually starts with parenting uh, no matter, irrespective of, you know, whether the parents are together 
or if they're separated, the responsibility remains, uh, but it has to be one of mutual cooperation and collaboration. Yes, that's good. That's good. I do want to state something, or I want to ask something here. I want to ask you this up front. What would you like to state that you believe that's beneficial for fathers and mothers to walk away from with this in this specific topic on today? Well, I think when we look at media reports, when we look at what the culture is saying in general, there tends to be this, uh, what I would say is a depiction or a misrepresentation of black families uh, concerning fathers as dysfunctional. And I believe that is, uh, you know, not only dysfunctional, but absentee. And I think it's really kind of connected to non-marital uh, births, uh, with the lack of parental involvement. And I think that's a big myth that has to be debunked. It's something that we have to intentionally and purposefully uh, 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 engage more deeply and look at. You know, there's been lots of reports, lots of statistics, particularly around uh, Black families where, you know, 60% uh, of, of the families are uh, single mother homes, but that in and of itself is not, you know, uh, necessarily uh, corresponds to the involvement of fathers. And so it's very important for us to recognize that fathers love their children. They are uh, deeply, sincerely engaged and involved. And we have to de 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 uh, debunk the myth that, uh, that portray a different uh, picture, a different story. And so uh, it's very important that we as fathers, that we advocate for fatherhood. And what I mean by that is that uh, we simply have to stay engaged uh, on all fronts. But even more importantly, it's so so very important for us to have relationship with our children, uh, no matter whether we're non-custodial uh, or if we're custodial, if we're in a uh, divorced uh, marriage, uh, that we still, uh, you know, uh, advocate for our rights, uh, for visitation, for uh, parenting and for all the things that go along with that. And so it's it's really important. It's really important to do so. And I yeah. think the way for fathers to really uh, engage, be engaged and to uh, um, stay in front of that is to really look at it from a biblical perspective. And I think once we look at it from a biblical perspective, both fathers and mothers have to understand the far-reaching implications of not having a father involved in the rearing and raising of the child, uh, that it has, uh, you know, certain implications, certain outcomes. When mm -hmm. fathers are involved, children are balanced. They have 
you know, more successful outcomes in terms of education, in terms of their cognitive uh, 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 abilities, in terms of even their emotional uh, and uh, physical health. And so it's just so important for fathers to be involved. Yes, that's powerful. I, okay, so I got quite a few notes here as you were speaking. But I want to jump to the so because this is a this show is about being uh, it's for women specifically mm-hmm. um, it doesn't mean we don't bring on um, men outside like we're doing here for this topic that will heal us in many areas. So I have to always bring it back so that we as women can understand something. And when you were speaking about fathers love their children. I want to comment on that a little bit because I genuinely believe that. I believe that fathers love their children. I also believe that there are, and we'll get to that point as well, I also believe there are outside forces that sometimes, not always, but there are outside forces that keep fathers from being in their children's lives, especially when maybe a a marriage or a breakup of a marriage and a new marriage has come and you have additional spouses that are uh, play a role in that and uh, different things. But mothers sometimes play a role in keeping children from the fathers because the relationship with them didn't work out. And I think we need to really uh, speak to that. You, I don't know if you know any full detail of something possibly in that realm, but oftentimes when mothers are upset or angry, um, and it happens on the father's side as well, but mothers are upset and they're angry that the relationship didn't work out or they're just bothered with each other for whatever reason, they have a tendency to withhold the children as a pawn in the, in the scenario of this breakup. And that affects children emotionally all the way up until their adult years. Can you speak to emotionally how keeping a child from the father, because biblically we know a father has a strong part in the family. He's the head of that family and he has a strong part there. Can you speak to the emotional imbalance that can provide or give to a child? Sure, sure. You know, I guess first I'd like to to, to just simply state that again, you know, uh, the approach is first from a biblical perspective. And when we understand it that way, uh, that men are called uh, by God uh, to be first uh, uh, the one who has a responsibility to train the child in the instruction of the Lord. And so we we then have to understand then that if that father's not involved, uh, then there's this not only separation from the father, but there's that separation from that role of being the primary priest to train the child. And so as mothers, we we have to uh, begin to understand that. Uh, that need is not mandated by man. It's commanded by God. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training of the Lord. You know, 
And then you also see not only the absence of the father, it's the, again, the village that comes along with the father. So as a father, I had a mother who was very much involved in my daughter's upbringing. And they had such a uh, close bond that had I not been, you know, involved and it also, you know, has implications of that whole village that comes along with that side of your lineage. Mm -hmm. And so we, we have to look at it as multi-generational. It's just not simply the father, but it's uh, the family on that father's side yeah. and uh, the uh, circle of friends and colleagues and, uh, you know, and so that's why I talked about the, the co-words, the collaboration, the communication, the co-parenting. We always have to look at it from a relational side of it. And so when we turn to the scriptures and that particular scripture that we talked about, Ephesians 6 and 4, you know, it is God who gives us as fathers that responsibility for training our children. And if we do not do it, then the world is gonna do it. Mm. And we don't want that. We, we want both help both fathers succeed and we wanna help the children to succeed. And so as mothers, you know, and I think we can unpack this a little bit more uh, with respect to, you know, what happens in relationships that break down, we understand that there's likely a loss of trust. Mm -hmm. But once we admit that there has been this breakdown, I think both individually have to look at their part, their contribution to the breakdown in the relationship. And we have to be willing to then seek the necessary healing so that we can move forward. Because whether we're in that together as husband and wife, or whether we're in a co-parenting situation, the responsibility still remains for both to focus on the raising of the child. And so, the numbers and the statistics speak to it. The co-parenting relationship is very important for a successful outcome for the children. When both parents are involved, when you take out one of the parents, and even though there may be a step parent that steps in, it does not excuse the biological parent from their role and their responsibility under God. And so we, we have to recognize that, you know, forgiveness is a big part of having to navigate relationships. And it's very challenging, it's very dynamic, but in the end, I thank God for just coming into the knowledge and understanding of his great love 
For he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And when we walk in the forgiveness that God and through Jesus Christ has given us, it empowers us yes. to begin to be able to forgive others who we may have been offended by or may have, you know, uh, not been successful in relationship with. And so it's that area where we have to seek the Lord and we have to seek deliverance. And I know that was an area uh, in my life, uh, you know, uh, my marriage, my first marriage was a uh, product of divorce. Uh, my daughter was two years old. Uh, and at that time, you know, and, and I'll just be authentic and I'm going to be a little vulnerable here. Uh, but I, I wasn't living a life that honored God. I was, uh, you know, 20 something year old who, who felt he knew everything, but very knew very little, uh, even though I had professed my faith in Christ, I wasn't living and walking by faith. Uh, I was really uh, living uh, a life that honored self mm. and hadn't learned how to put off that selfish ambition that I had concerning the things that I liked and the things that I prefer and the preferences that I liked and the proclivities and all those little things that tend to com be competing passions in our hearts. And so my heart, you know, I service the Lord with the lip, but my heart wasn't close to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So to me, the message to men is simply, if you want to be connected to your children, get connected to God. Mm -hmm. We look at the last passage of scripture in the Old Testament in Malachi through the prophet God said that he would turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he would turn the hearts of the children to their fathers. And so it's saying that God has called man to such an important role of, of bringing a, a standard uh, that requires us to really lean in, really uh, nurture, and really look at this whole thing called a uh, legacy of faithfulness mm -hmm. towards God. He's saying the Father is to bring to remembrance the Lord our God mm -hmm. to that next generation. And that is something that as fathers, as men, that we have to take so seriously because it is uh, the, the, the implications are so far reaching. Wow. That was, let me tell you, I almost didn't want you to stop, right? <laughs> so I wrote down quite a few notes. 
I'm probably this one question that I have. Well, because I think it was not a question, it's a statement, and I think it's going to take us in a different direction. Not mm-hmm. not a different direction, same direction, but so let me say this first: forgiveness, powerful. That's we have to understand that in order. If we don't have forgiveness, there's this, the passage in the word that tells us that when we have malice in our heart, the Lord hears not our prayers. And so I get concerned with that because so many times people believe I've done it, right? Mm-hmm. Or where I thought before I really understood my God and his word, because that's key. Mm-hmm. We can advocate, we know the Lord and we're serving him. But if you're not in his word to know his word, as he says, study his word and show ourselves approved, we really don't know what it looks like to live in forgiveness, to be slow to offense, because we don't realize in his word, he's telling us that we're to be slow to offense. He tells us, he speaks to us about forgiveness. His word, his blueprint explains to us about love, genuine love, loving of someone, right? So, we have to know to forgive people over and over and over again. There's also the passage that speaks about when uh, Jesus is speaking with the disciples. I mean, how many times should I do this? How many times should I forgive? Right? 70 times seven. It's mm. it, He's not talking about a specific number when you do it in timetable. He's making, uh, he's making sure we understand there's no limit on this. We are to forgive. But what happens is we're so quick to offense and the word of God tells us not to be. So we don't know his word. We don't know we're not supposed to be doing that. So we're so quick to offense. We now we don't want to forgive people, but then we want to be forgiven for the things that we have done. So that that was powerful when you spoke about that. I do want to jump to this. Fathers that are in the home but not in the home. Now I'm just going to let that lay there. <laughs> I'm just, just going to let that lay there. So I have questions that come in, right? And mm-hmm. so because this is a series, and let me just say, I, I do want to say this, you are kicking this series off just so we know that you're kicking this series off. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but there are questions that come in and that fathers that are in the home, but not in the home. They're there, but they're not, they're, they're not, these are not just my words. I have them where people come immaturity. Uh, they, um, they don't know how to lead. They're there, but they're, um, now I'm going to say this part. No one said this. So I'm just going to say it in front of the video games. <laughs> You're not raising the children, right? So they, can you speak to anything in that area when you have the dad or the father in the home when he's actually absent? Well, I guess what I would say, and I'm just going to continue to go back to this. <laughs> There's a blueprint. The blueprint is the word of God. Mm-hmm. And he's called men first and foremost to act like men. You know, First Corinthians uh, 3 talks about you know, and when we talk about that, we're talking about being image bearers. And there's two types of image bearers. There's, there's, and it's gender, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's, we've been made in God's image, uh, man and woman, uh, but he's given man uh, something unique as compared to women. And he's given some women something unique, but 
the man, this thing around strength, to be strong, courageous. We know that God commanded Joshua. We know Joshua's role in assuming leadership of leading, uh, you know, the, the Israelites into Canaan. But we understand that in order to do so, we have to stand up. We, we have to assume our rightful position. We have to take a posture of leadership. And when you talk about leadership, at the heart of leadership is a caring heart, compassion towards those who we lead. But the source of that is the Lord, our God himself. And so when we posture ourselves to hear from and to be in relationship with the Lord, then we can then be all that we are in the Lord. When we're in Christ, you know, it's not enough just to know the scriptures, but we have to understand what it means in the context of the role that we are. First, we're sons of the most high God. We're above, not beneath that we, we are to have a understanding of who we are in Christ, who he created us to be, and to bring life. That's what a father does. He's a seed bearer, so he brings life. And so in the context of that, in the home, we, we can't be idle. We, we can't just be standbyers. We, we have to be exactly that. We have to be a father. And what a privilege, right? Because that's a name that the Heavenly Father has given to himself. And so what a privilege that we can imitate, right? Yeah. Imitate being a father. And, and, and to do so, there has to be some compassion in our hearts. And I think that's why it's so important uh, for us to embrace that that relationship first and foremost, with the Lord our God, right? The great commandment. He, he called us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. That's the first and greatest commandment, right? It's to have a love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so important because that's in exactly where a transformation is going to take place in our hearts. And so we have to be serious minded. We have to embrace that to some degree. And, you know, I, you know, I get it, you know, as you were describing, you know, that form as you were uh, uh, asking the question, it just took me back to a place and time uh, before uh, my divorce when <laughs> I was a young adult. And when I thought like a child, when I acted like a child, when I wasn't compassionate enough, you know, when you work a 10, 12 hour day of work and then you come home and you have this attitude about, you know, things being right. And you have this self-righteous attitude about, you know, like everyone's there to, you know, serve you. But it's just the opposite. When God is saying you're an image bearer, really what he's saying is you are a servant. And whoever desires to be first <laughs> will be last. You know, and so it's this whole 
thought of submission first to God, submission to one another, but even as importantly, it requires submission requires some dying to self. Yes. And if we're not dying to ourselves, we're not living in Christ. We're lords over our own lives. We're not in submission. And so we're not in the will of God if we're not dying to ourselves. And, you know, James talked about, he said, why do you fight amongst yourselves? Because we can't have our own way. Mm -hmm. Meaning that we're talking about our own selfishness. And so it's just like you said, you have to be willing, right, to put those things aside and it's it's offensive when you know you hold someone else responsible for your own well-being you will put somebody else responsible for your happiness well marriage is not intended for happiness it's intended for holiness it's intending for us to be sharpened so that you know we recognize that we have to put the ban of God up first. And so that's the key here is that we all are willing to live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And when we're willing to live under his Lordship, uh, then we can ultimately uh, start to uh, reap the benefits of a good family relationship. It starts with a good personal a personal relationship in the vertical and then helps us then to be able to relate to the relationships that we have on the horizontal plane but until we get our priorities in order until we see that order you know uh, a kingdom man lives under demonstrates the comprehensive rule of god in all aspects of his existence, his being. That's mm -hmm. Dr. Tony Evans' kingdom man, kingdom agenda. Yes. He says all areas. And so we're all being conformed more and more to the image of the sun each day, hopefully every day, more and more each day. But where we are not under submission where we're not bringing things under subjection to the word where we're not dying to self we've got our members <laughs> rising up you know and so we know that our you know that the uh the battle is is not carnal the weapons of our warfare is not carnal so we have to we have to mortify these members we have to look at the, you know, the attitudes and the intentions of our hearts. Uh, we have to understand kind of these uh, uh, patterns of uh, relating patterns that we've had throughout. Uh, because if we do not subject ourselves and get reprogrammed in our thinking, our leadership styles are just the same as what we learned when we were raised up. And not that how we were raised was bad, but that's not the standard. Mm. The standard is the word of God. That's good. That's good. I, I have something here. <laughs> 
you um, spoke about creating a safe environment for your children so they know and understand they can approach you with anything without being criticized or you being angry. And you stated this starts and involves the commitment of spending quality time with them, learning to make it about them, getting to know and understand them, asking questions, listening to them and praying for them. Now that kind of, when you were just speaking, that brought me back to that in my mind. Because it definitely is about when when they're children. So let me speak to that. I think, and maybe you can help with this a little better. I think what happens is there's a part when you don't get it right. In the beginning with children, you have this thing, not you specific, but as men, this, it looks like you have this thing. Now I want to make up for what I didn't do. It started, it should have began then. Now you mentioned that you, um, you're, you divorced when your uh, daughter was two or separate to divorce. Hopefully I got that right. How does that look? Help, help other, if you can help other men kind of understand you can't go back and make it right. You have to start where you are to do what you need to do. So if you can kind of, um, cause I don't know how your relationship was impacted with your daughter and how many years that took and what you had to do to uh, get it to a place of a good place. Well, let me just state this, you know, uh, when my ex-wife and I divorced, as you stated, my daughter was two, but there wasn't a season of life <clears throat> that I wasn't a part of her life. Uh, and so when there was a breakdown in the relationship, we immediately started this relationship of co-parenting. Mm -hmm. Now, was it easy? No, was not easy. But what it does require is open communication. And you say, well, how do you do that when there's a breakdown in the relationship and there's a breakdown in trust? Uh, so, you know, we know how key communication is, right, to resolving issues. We know how key trust is and to building relationships. And so that means that you have some work to do. And we just talked about forgiveness. Yes. So I guess one of the first things that I had to do in building things to it, at least a place where there could be some communication was a sincere acknowledgement of my part in the breakdown of the marriage. And this came through just, I'll be honest with you, I was broken. And in my brokenness, I had to lay before the Lord. 
And it wasn't just on my part. There were others who, who came alongside me who spoke wisdom. And the multitude of counsel, their safety. But when you have done someone wrong, you know you need to go to the Lord with a broken and contrite heart. Mm-hmm. And you need to hear from the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is such a healer and teacher that he can show you. He, he can, he can uh, play back the real. Yes. He can play back the videotape. Back then it was VHS, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. We, we had to pop the cartridge into the... <laughs> uh, but he can play it back for you and he can show you where you were the author and he wasn't Mm -hmm. and that you were mean and surely and Mm -hmm. that you were not skillful and there was lack but then he also takes you and he shows you that in your weakness he's most effective Mm -hmm. and he said come to me had you come to me i could have lifted your burden I could have showed you. So our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. And so that's why it's so important to have that relationship. But what he showed me in that season was that there needed to be a sincere and succinct apology to say I was wrong and I'm responsible and I take responsibility for my part and my part was a big part. The question you asked about the absentee father, like you're in the home, but you're not fulfilling your role. That was me mm. as a 20 something year old. Uh, mine wasn't video games. My, mine was workaholic. Mine was, uh, I still wanted to get my ball game on. So I'm working all these odds, but yet I'm still down at the Y because I want to play with, you know, the cats down at uh, coming from U of D and from, you know, in the tournament. You know, I want I want to I want to go up against Durod and the cats who were in the NBA. But my game wasn't that serious. My my thinking, though, was really warped, right? You know, I want to learn golf. Well, but what we have to realize is, okay, what's the cost of that? What's the expense? What's, you know, to your family? And then on the other end, you know, you're not skillful in that, uh, in your communication. You're not skillful in your conflict resolution. You know, you want to affix blame. You know, all the shortcomings are on the other side, you know. uh, But yet, you're you're not giving of yourself. To your marriage you're not putting your marriage as a priority you're not putting your parenting as a priority um you're you're very accusatory your language and all those things and so those are the sort of things that we can talk about to kind of help men men to recognize that your leadership style is important you have to learn to be gentle you talked about quick 
quick, he speaks slow to listen, quick to anger. Just, just the opposite of what the word. Yes, that's so and, good. You know, you, you're speaking, you're doing a lot of talking, but there's no lack of sin in all your words, you know, and, uh, you know, the whole thing about communication is that it requires us often to hear what the other person is saying so that we get understanding. But if we're too busy talking, we never hear. Mm. Now that's good. Now don't get me going in that area because we talking about <laughs> we talking about unveiling the impact of absentee fathers. Now I could go a little further with this part, but um, you talk about the. I want to go back. So, so, so let me just let me just add to this though, because okay. I think there's a really important point that I want the men and the women to hear concerning that when when this brokenness that occurs that you know kind of severs the relationship and now you know you've come to a place that you've accepted that okay we're no longer together but you still have a responsibility to focus on the kid the child and to help bring up that child you know. And one of the things that I found, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to recall specifically how we were led to this, but you know, there's drama that's taking place. None of us are exempt to it. Chaos, we're in this world, not necessarily of the world, but in this world. He said, the Lord said there would be trouble, but he said, do not lose heart because I've overcome the world. And this is where we have to be, have understanding is that at some point, somebody has to be a bigger person. And somebody has to say, enough's enough. And so that apology starts that process. But even once the apology occurs, you're still looking for how to communicate. How do you bring parties together? And when you're not skillful enough to do something, guess what? You should ask someone. Yes. You should go to a counselor. <laughs> and one of the things that I recall us doing in order to kind of bridge this gap uh, and start to this path of kind of having clear expectations around visitations and co-parenting and that sort of thing is we went to a mediator and someone made a recommendation and let me tell you something i thank god almighty that there are people who are very skillful in helping you express what needs to be expressed when you're not able to do so and so that is an approach. And I'll tell you, we use the mediator on a couple of occasions. And we use the mediator <laughs> before the divorce to help navigate what the divorce looks like. You know, when you get, and, you know, and one of the words that I use and one of the responses about barriers, these barriers that we run into, we run into a number of barriers. And this was one of the recommendations I had for mothers is not to participate in being another barrier 
between a father and his kids. But one of the barriers you'll get into when you're going through divorce, it's called the legal system. Mm -hmm. And the legal system has a certain bent to it, right? And I remember going to lawyers and the lawyers trying to dig up dirt, trying to put up, you know, uh, you know, this like like you're on some political campaign and you want to do some mud slinging, you know, so that you can go before the court of law so you can throw the mother under the bus and say, what a bad mother. That is a no-no. What that that's the opposite of what we want to do, particularly as uh, uh, followers of Christ. We we don't want to participate in that sort of thing because guess what? You're you're actually it's going to have the opposite outcome of really what you're looking for, particularly if your focus is on raising healthy children. You know, uh, one one of the things that I found very important was with respect to my conversation, my relationship with my daughter, uh, even to this day, she, she would never hear me talking down about her mother. Right. I, I don't care what happened, what the situation or circumstances were, that that was something that needed to be dealt with between the mother and the father. And, and the children shouldn't be the pawns or shouldn't be thrown in the middle of that. But to really just make sure that, you know, my, my role was to be present and to be available, to avail myself to my daughter if and whenever there was a need. And so that was my posture from day one. But going back to the mediation, the mediation was a way uh, to really have clear understanding of what lied ahead. The mediator was a professional who understood what happens uh, between parents when divorce is occurring and whether then you go on before two lawyers who are going to, you know, try to, you know, tear each parent down in their own way, the mediator was saying simply this, here's what lies ahead in this legal process and here are the things that you're going to have to do you're going to have to decide what you're going to do with the property you're going to have to decide what you're going to do with the possessions you're going to have to decide what you're going to do in terms of co-parenting and so i am going to give you a road map and i'm going to talk with both of you individually but then my goal is to bring you together and help you make decisions around this roadmap. I'm gonna help you avoid some pitfalls. I'm gonna to try to help you avoid some landmines, but it's gonna be up to you to open the lines of communication so that we can get this process completed successfully. Yes. And it was, it was a blessing that somehow we discovered that that was available to us and so then that mediator is able to hand that off to someone who could put it in legal lease and so rather than running up billable hours of thousands of dollars <laughs> i'll be honest the, the the mediator was less than 500 bucks 
back then. I don't know what it would be today, but at the end of the day, it was the best spent money I could recall. Oh, wow. And in addition to that, it made the process going forward so much easier. Wow. There there wasn't two lawyers on the decree. There was only one. On the payroll. (laughs) That's pretty much it. Now, what I what I'm gathering, and I'm so glad you're bringing this out because, ladies and gentlemen, whoever is listening, but of course, talking to the ladies, what I'm hearing, and hopefully, what you're hearing is, in order to even be uh, get to the successful part with our children up into their adult years, any of the breakdown, we have to first start there. Because it's like anything, if you jump just to the children and say, I'm just going to deal with this, you're just scratching the surface. You have to get to the root of the problem. And I think that's what I hear you saying when we're speaking about this. We have to get to the root of the problem. And it starts with communication. And to even have the communication, first of all, there has to be a want to communicate. Because it wouldn't matter if a mediator was there, if there were 10,000 um, attorneys sitting that were there, it wouldn't matter if you don't have a desire to want to do this. And your, as well as the mother, I'm certain your focus is okay, even though we have a breakdown here, what's beneficial for our daughter, for our children? That's the goal. And how do we do that? Then I hear all of this is powerful. I hear you saying you had to take as a father you knew where you went wrong in the relationship that doesn't mean the mother didn't have any wrong so let's say i want to say this ladies it doesn't mean that as mothers there's no wrong on our part but when a father a man can say i went wrong in this area state the wrong without excuse this is where i went wrong And how do we move from here? And then be open to say, we can bring someone else in, a mediator, to help us get to a place that we can be the best co-parents that we can for our children. How powerful is that? And then I have to unpack this thing. On top of all of that, none of that would have taken place if you wouldn't have first consulted our heavenly father and was humble before him, submissive before the Lord saying, God, what would you have me to do? That's leadership. So you started there. And you also said you were, you professed to know the Lord. You knew him, but you were living your life a way that was selfish for you. And you had to own that. That's that's so key in moving forward. And you talked about language. So we talk about communication, maturity. You There has to be a certain point of maturity to even get to that place of saying, though I may be angry with you, again, my priority, I want this relationship with my child and I need us to have it. And then not bashing. You said that too. You are not going to let the legal system tear the mother of your child down. 
So if we know, but that takes a relationship with God. I'm just going to say that you, there has to be some maturity, a relationship with God, something inside of you that knows that's wrong. But I want to just one more thing I want to add to that about not tear. If When you say you did not want the legal system to tear down the mother of your child. That means automatic. If I don't want them to do it, that means you're not going to do it. So that is in there with that language. So often we find that we're seeing it every day where men are tearing down the mother of their children in anger, but expect to have a relationship with the children. That's uh, how can you speak to me in just that little piece? Is there a way that you can speak to me? Because we're seeing that men are tearing down the mothers. And to be honest, men are killing women. Let's just go there. They are killing women. It's on the news. Seem like every other, at least once a week, where a man is literally taking the wife of his child's, of their children's mother. So can you speak to that a little bit about how we should not tear them down and how that impacts the children. I think that'll well we're 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 children get their self-image from what they believe their dads think about them. Mm-hmm. And so with that said as a father, no, no matter whether we're in a home or where we might be, our, our, our kids, God has wired them. They they still seeking the approval of dad. I'm talking about the biological dad. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not other role models who come along. I mean, my upbringing is simply a story of others who've come along uh, to nurture me because my dad passed away when I was 10 years old, tragically. In a, in a construction accident on his job. But the point that I'm, I'm making here in terms of, you know, uh, we have to recognize that our kids are watching. So in my example, that kind of father in home who's absent, you know, your words, we know there's, there's the power of life and death in words. And so, you know, the words that we speak to a child, that we say to a child, is going to determine their destiny. It's going to impact their attitude. At first, it's their attitude towards mom and dad, yes. right? And so we know about attitude and how that impacts our altitude. And and you know, as a man thinketh in his heart, as a child thinketh in their heart, so are they. And so we have to recognize that. You know, we're they're going to emulate. They're going to see the thing. So we have to recognize the communication. So important. Conflict. So, so important. And we don't get it right all the time in these areas. But what we have to be willing to do is continue to sharpen the pencil. We have to continue to work at it, even to this day. Right. In our marriages and in our relationships, you know. There's, there's chaos and there's conflict, but we have to learn to be able to make choices about how to do that. So, man, you know, the first lesson, you know, and I, I hadn't shared this at, up to this point, but 
you know, in, in, in our co-parenting relationship over the years, after having been divorced and having visitation rights as a non-custodial father, at some point, at the age of 14, my daughter came to live with me. Mm-hmm. And now I become a custodial father. And one of the first lessons I learned is about leadership style. Um, we have to raise the children in the way they should go. And that, that means that you have to have some insight. You have to have some understanding of who that child is. And, you know, the first line of uh, uh, to, to, to understand is going to have to be open communications. And if their communication is not open, then you're not going to get to learn who they are. So you have to learn those skills. Uh, how to because there was deep hurt there was deep hurt when a child is going from one domicile to the next there there's things that are impacting them that we can't even begin to imagine and so somehow you have to start to unpack it a lot of that requires you to seek counsel you you gotta you gotta get that village you gotta get your network you gotta start working and understanding what the issues are You got to find someone to help the child open up. And in some cases, guess what? It's going to be the other parent. So if you haven't started working on, you know, uh, at least trying to have some means of uh, uh, opening up that communication. So what it comes down to, and we're talking about practical things, right? We're talking about, you know, our personalities and we're talking about how we choose to communicate. You know, we got to learn to take when we're talking about particularly uh, difficult conversations and conflict, you got to take the use out of the conversation and speak to the eyes. You have to be t- willing to talk about what it is that where you not necessarily falling short, but where you see opportunity. You have to start becoming part of the solution and quit speaking to the problem. So often we want to talk about what isn't, but what is, and this is what we're talking about. The role of men and fathers is to bring life and to bring something good. You have to be willing to sign up and you have to be willing to put away and you have to be willing to sacrifice something for the greater good of the child. Same with mothers. And so what we're talking about is you know, your ability to plan ahead, your ability to look at, you know, the situation of circumstances and say, hey, what's going to be best first for the child and looking at the other party and kind of what's going on in their life. And there's got to be some flexibility and there's got to be some compassion to recognize people go through. We know a lot of the factors that come into play when it comes to this whole negative approach to co-parenting has to do with finances mm-hmm. has to do with finances and so sometimes you know we have to be willing to you know when it comes to co-parenting there's a lot of things dynamics that are going on with regards to the friend of the court and having to pay child support and then when the child visits you may not have the means to do all the things that you want to do on behalf of the child because of where you are financially. And so a lot of cases that boils over into frustration and those sort of things. 
but you have to be able to uh, look at things, put them into the right perspective. You have to be able to keep a calm demeanor. You have to be able to, like in my case, you know, I talk about that village, you know, uh, there were situations going on and I had to call upon my brother and his wife, you know, to kind of help fill in the gap. Sometimes I had to ask my mother to help fill in the gap. But, you know, it doesn't excuse us from having good communication. We have to really learn how to temper things. And in these situations, you have to look at it from the standpoint that I am the key if things are going to move in the right direction. I'm not waiting for someone else to set the tone. I have to set the tone. And when we're talking about tone, I'm literally talking about tone. When you talk about communication, only there's a study that done. Let's talk about co communication based on words, right? Only 7%, according to this study by a psychologist, of communication is based on words we say. Mm. Okay. The remaining 93% is based on nonverbal. Right? And of that, the paralinguistics, so when we talk about paralinguistics, we're talking about pitch, talking about volume, talking about tone, mm. about 40% of your communication. And so we have to learn to de-escalate through effective communication. And the things that you practice that go along with that <laughs> is going to be fruit of the spirit, right? It's going to yes. be patience. Yes. Right? It's going to be peace. It's going to be love. It's going to be kindness. You know, I, I spent all of seven years doing it the other way. So it was time to start practicing a new way. But we don't know that way unless we know the Lord, right? And we ask him to speak to our heart. But we also have to realize that there are the practical things around communication that we can do too. Uh, these types of skills and that there's training available to us. And so get into a parenting class get into because there's resources that are available to us and we can talk about what some of those are but uh you know the biggest thing eleanor is being respectful is being respectful um even when you don't agree with something with uh you know some a co-parent uh it's 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 important to be respectful avoid name calling mm -hmm other hurtful language uh those things escalate yes and so we have to learn to de-escalate these things uh we have to learn to if there's an issue that is as hand at hand we got to stick to the issue you know we have to learn to really just stick to the issue uh focus on that topic uh, try not to bring up past issues, unrelated topics, because, you know, we want to try to get it all in, you know, um, you did. And yes. uh, I talked about that use. So the next statement is use I statements. You have to talk about uh, not what you did and you did that. You have to express your feelings based on individually.
My truth, I'm honored that God has placed this before me and I'm looking forward to all that he alone will do by way of healing for so many women, including myself.